Footy and Frothy's round eight review show. Daggy, Barney and the Gump with you. Look back on all things from uh, round eight of the National Rugby League competition. An apology from Ollie, who's off, I believe, watching a movie or doing something. So uh, I'm sure you'll all miss him and he'll be back next week. Barn, how are you travelling? Yeah, mate, worked myself into the ground over the last four days. So that's been fantastic. But... Hopefully I'll get a day off in the next day or two to go and um, enjoy the Port Stephens area where I'm at at the moment. So. Very nice. And Gumpy, how are you? Yeah, no, I'm well. I'm well. Just, yeah, getting through everything. Busy like everybody else, but, you know, trying to get some footy in and some punting in and doing all those things. <laughs> so, things. yeah, trying to get some of the good things in life in. But, yeah, not enough ever, but we could all sort of say the same, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, some news. I guess we'll kick off some injury news just running through quickly. Payne House, Kurt Capel will miss a week. Uh, big blow for the Broncos. Valame is out for two. Maroa for six weeks with a shoulder injury from the storm there. And uh, Adam Clune, Suaso, Sue will uh, both miss this week as well. Uh, Brad Parker, Jason Saab, three weeks each, and Jacob Host, four to six, and Michael Cheekham, 10 to 12, out for the Rabbitohs. So, any you want to touch on there, boys? Well, some big losses there. I'd be surprised if Haas was only out for the week. Um, he, he looked like he's been carrying an injury for a couple of weeks, so needling him up for the rest of the season is probably not going to do him much good, so... Um, Think Probably for a better side. off to give him a couple of weeks off now, really. think for a side like Manly, it's probably a bit of a rebirth for them. Like, we thought that Parker and Harper were a bit iffy in the centre, so neither of them are there now. And we've got some other sort of blokes in there that we'll probably get to when we talk about the previews for this week's game. But I think that those two, I don't know that they're huge outs and it might actually show Des something a bit different. <laughs> Any any backline moving forward. I agree. I think both the replacements uh, haven't been too bad, all things considered. Uh, but you, we'll get to that, as you said. The other well, major news. I was yes. going to say that I miss Capewell as well. He, he was fantastic over the yeah. weekend. So. Well, the thing with it, it's been our concern as long as we're doing a show with Payne House is how long can he keep going? And if you, like I said, if you need him up for a year here, you're only taking years off the back end, aren't you? No, absolutely so I imagine he'll be quite an, an important for all those playing super coach, I guess. Um, I imagine they'll probably be quite happy to rest him if he's in origin or uh, whatever the case may be there. So we'll follow. I think if you get, they give him two weeks now, it gets towards origin period anyway, and they can maybe get that out to three or four and see how we go. Yeah. Big news, though, other injury on the injury front. Uh, and unfortunately, Ollie's not here to pay tribute to – to him, but uh, Ash Taylor was forced to medically retire this week. A comment on Gump, you got any comments on Ash Taylor's career? The Titans million dollar man. Probably a waste of talent in the end when you, you think about how good that he looked and how much promise that he showed and maybe it's just the, the work ethic that might have affected him in the end and you know, upstairs where a lot of the games played and whatnot with the intestinal fortitude and that that you need to show maybe he just sort of was lacking a little bit in that area because he's obviously a very talented and and skillful player for him to be noticed at the age he was and 
command the money that he did. So it's probably unfortunate for him and, and unfortunate for the game, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Maybe he goes and has a break for a couple of years and lays bricks or go and do something that normal people have to do and maybe realise the opportunity that he missed and may have another crack. But for the time being, you know, I think it's a talent that's probably been, you know, wasted in the end, unfortunately. Yeah, well, we only really ever saw flashes of his of um, brilliance out of him. Um, it was very occasional and it was, it was rare. His debut season, he was pretty good there for probably half of that season. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder how long he's had the hip issue of four, obviously, because um, his running game did go out of the window quite a few years back. So whether that's been a long-term injury for the hip there, I, who knows? I just obviously, obviously we hope that he's... Um, he can get himself an operation and get himself back to close to full health because I can only imagine what it'd be like trying to get around with a busted hip. So, yeah, uh, injury news the big one out of the weekend. Did we Carl. miss an injury. Sorry, Dag, did we miss an injury of David Fafida? Did I, uh, yeah, he wasn't out? listed, but we did. Yeah. I, I heard MCL, uh, not on this list, but MCL potentially three to four weeks. Yeah, um, in doubt for Origin One was the last I heard, but I've been off the grid for. Yeah. Eight hours. Yeah. I haven't um yeah, I haven't caught up with anything either. But yeah, I did hear that it was mentioned that he'd been out he'll be out for a month or thereabouts. So yeah, I think he's in doubt for Origin One. Uh Carl Lawton, four matches speaking about for a month for his tackle on uh tackle on Cam Murray, Billy Straya Strikakis one and Jack White in two matches all with early pleas. So yeah, not much judiciary news there. We'll get into we may as well get straight into it and talk about uh, – actually, well, that's a bit later on the Carl Lawton thing. Do you want to save that chat for then? Yeah. Bronco 16 Steve. kicked off the weekend. weekend. Oh, any other news, Barn? Sorry. No, mate, not from me. Bronco 16 end, ended the uh, – well, kicked off the weekend, let's say. I'm trying to think of a smart way to say <laughs> that. Uh, but I suppose Sharks weren't really on a streak, were they? Uh, Broncos 16, Sharks 7, uh, disappointing effort from the Sharks up at Suncorp Stadium. Barney, do you want to look at the stats and then uh, tell us where your boys are at? Yeah, it was three tries to one, two out of three conversions for the Broncos, one out of one for the Sharks, and one out of one field goal attempts for the Sharks. 77% completion played 70%. uh, 31 out of 40 sets played 29 out of 41. Eight line breaks to two, 30 tackle bust to 34, 11 offloads to 13. Zero force dropouts by the Broncos, one by the Sharks. Zero 40-20s, 305 tackles played 359. Three ruck infringements to one. One inside the 10 to the Broncos, zero to the Sharks. Four penalties conceded to five. Ten errors to 13. Walters made 32 tackles. Braley made 51. Oates made 213 metres. And Kennedy with 204. Uh, Gamble missed five tackles, made 19. Nakora missed five and made 39. And Talakai missed three and made six. Um, it was pretty clear to me that the Broncos had a plan in this game and it was to rush it. Uh, their defence was to rush up on the outside backs of the Sharks and put pressure on the halves and the centres on both sides of the field. And it worked a treat. Um, the, the halves panicked and didn't know what to do and where to go. How the hell one of them didn't start kicking in behind Katoni Staggs, I have no idea, and just turn them around and pin yeah. them back in the corner. But as for... Um, <laughs> Smarter minds and minds to figure out, I guess. Um, but yeah, the, the halves definitely got rushed and um, and and did panic. 
I thought the Sharks were probably the better team in the first half. Um, created a lot more attacking opportunities, but just seemed to shoot themselves in a foot time and time again. Um, again, there was two two blokes that just dropped the ball on the chest with a lot, basically a massive gap in front of them and just put the ball down. Whether they run 50 metres to score or, you know, at least they get down the other end of the field and close enough to put on that bit more pressure. But, um, yeah, there was two or three really um, good attacking positions that the Sharks just threw away in that first half. As I mentioned, Talakai got um, rushed by Stags and didn't know what to do. And for whatever reason, they just kept pushing the pass out there and it just ended up going to ground or <laughs> Talakai got belted as soon as he touched the ball or he tried to tap it onto Mulatano. And, yeah, it was a comedy of errors out on that side for mo- most of the night, to be honest. To be honest, You have to give credit to Stags. Um, when he did hit, he hit hard. Um, got up in their face and um, he flustered the, the Sharks' back line there for a long Big, big parts of the game. Also, um, I thought that they made a conceded effort to uh, make sure that the the back five, whenever they were running out of dummy half, had someone in their face. Then they were rushing directly at the play the ball to try and nullify that um, that role that the Sharks seemed to get on with the back five running out of dummy half. Um, it was pretty clever tactics from the Broncos, whereas it was um, the opposite from the Sharks, I thought. Um Broncos seemed to build in confidence, and by the back end of their game, um, their attack seemed to be flowing quite well. Actually, they were um, they were spinning it from side to side. Gamble, um, oh, what can I say? He was effective. <laughs> he wasn't overly brilliant, and it was more to me. It was more one on one missed tackles. Yeah, what you um, see is whereas Gamble what throws you see a short ball. Like it's exactly what what you get from Tyson Gamble is what he. Yeah, he's got he's got a step and he's got that little short ball, and both times that he put it on. It was basically just a one-on-one miss from, I think it was Hines once and um, maybe in the back row or the second time and they just strolled over. Um, that was Ramian the other time on on um, Oates, I think, uh, on Capel. And, yeah, they both just led to tries. Sharks, the one-on-one defence is um, they really need to fix that up, especially in and around their goal line. And I think this is probably one of the games where their first up, uh, first up contact was probably poorer than I've seen it for the... Majority of the season as well. Uh, they've, they've definitely, you know, they've already shown that they've got what it takes to be in and around. But this was definitely, they seem to have two good games and then a bad one. So if they, we'll see if they keep throwing up that sort of um, pattern for the rest of the season. Broncos played a strong 80 minutes for the first time I can remember in quite a while. I thought they were actually pretty, um, you know, pretty decent with their effort for 80 minutes. They didn't sort of drop off like they do in most games. Um, as yeah, Reynolds kicked fantastically again and turned to turn the sharks around. Um, Stags was Stags and Capel were pretty. They were the other two best players for the Broncos. I thought McInnes, Nakora, and Rudolph were really strong and for the forwards for the Sharks. And I thought they probably um, won the forward battle the majority of the times, apart from trying to stop Payne Haas every time he touched the ball. But um, that's what everybody, every team in the comp seems to be have to try and do. And um, Hines was okay, but um, yeah, he he lost points for me in the way that he panicked when put under pressure. So, and surely, like I think I mentioned it last week that they were they were going to start rushing Talakai, and the Sharks need to come up with a plan for it. So I'm really surprised that there wasn't a plan for it. But yeah, he um yeah, Nico's Nico's response was sort of just to sort of float wider and wider, and then. Sort of Try panicking, to pass it over the top, or, actually, or even just pass it to him. Doing, so, and then you, most of the time he's dropped the ball cold. But um, 
just panic. Um, yeah. Well, they didn't grab her in behind or even just turn Talakai back in and get him to run back at the post. So I have no idea. Yeah. Um, they were very side to side, the Sharks. They were, yeah. yeah, they were very side to side. A couple of takeaways that I sort of had from the game was, and I think you, you mentioned a few of them, Barney, that I think it might help the Sharks in the end because moving further into the season that they didn't really have a plan B when everyone sort of knew what plan A was or what Brisbane were going to do to beat their plan A and there wasn't really a plan B for them. So I don't know whether they didn't have one, they hadn't thought of one, they weren't good enough, they were too under the pump or whatever because all of the things that you said, Cronulla really in the forwards were on top. The first half they were on top. Um you know, Brisbane, I think Brisbane's yeah. line defence was still pretty good. Oh, but look, Brisbane were good. And, and their line speed was all right, even. It, yeah, and getting to apart my... Apart from McGuinness's leg speed, you know, that they, they were all... Cronulla was serviceable, but sorry, carry on. Yeah, but the, the, the point that I, I think I've made before, that it was one of those games where a top team played a, a lower team, the the top team played to about 50% of their ability and Broncos probably played nearly to their best that they could play in terms of defensively, especially that I don't think the Broncos have defended that well for, for quite a long time in terms of like the last two or three years, they haven't really defended like that. Their attack was okay, but Cronulla were, you know, I think we just put it down to a bad game and hope they've got a plan B moving forward because the blueprint's kind of there now on on how to stop certain blokes. Like, I like Will Kennedy as a player, but he got tackled far too many times going sideways. Um, didn't really let go of the ball to to outside players. He It's not his fault entirely, but, well, it's not his fault. He was just a victim of circumstance as well, I think. But they were the few takeaways that I sort of had. The Brisbane were really good and Cronulla were were not so great for the standards that they've been setting for the year. Pretty much sums it up well. Anything else you Very boys cool. want to mention? Um, yeah, I think, especially in this case, you know, the sky doesn't have to fall every week. You can get beaten and move on some of these teams, but uh, we'll get to some that maybe the sky has fallen. It's pretty but, disappointing. I had Stags with three points. I had Reynolds with two, and then either Capewell or Haas for the one. No uh, arguments from me there. We'll go, we'll go with Haas. Honorary mentioned to uh, McGuinness, I think. Yeah, uh, they, yeah uh, I just and also, you know, we didn't really mention Herbie's, you know, going pretty well at the moment. I know we, we've sort of touched him every Isn't week. He, but, yeah. um, they've sort of got two, you know, at least one and a half strike centers, if not two proper strike centers. Um, so, you know. Oh, no, I think Herbie Farmworth enhanced his reputation this year, definitely. Oh, yeah, like leg speed, he's athletic. He, he's strong, like he, he'll make errors like most players in the NRL, but I think he's, you know, being an off-contract player is adding to his value. He seems quite a bit stronger in contact, actually, yeah. now that you mention it, this year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we get to Friday night. We kick off Penrith 18, defeating the Titans 4. Uh, was it 4 all at halftime? 6-4 at halftime. 4 nil at halftime. Oh, it was too, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was uh, away on a on a trip, so I watched but did not take notes in this case for, for most of the rest of the weekend. So, full disclosure, Barn, but I'll trust <laughs> you blokes to lead us through. What the stats say, and then Gump, you can give your thoughts on a on a Penrith team that probably only had to play half an hour footy and did that. 
One thing that bugged me over the weekend, I'm, I'm away at a hotel and they've got Foxtel, but they've only got standard de- definition oh. Foxtel. And watching fucking rugby league on standard definition is deplorable. I can't believe we did it for so long. But <laughs> the, the footage compared to what the high definition is, is amazing. I agree. I blow, contrast. I blow up at the pub every time it's on the standard channel. I, just can't I had to it. watch like four games on the standard channel this weekend. It did my head in. I ended up watching one on my phone because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So we had, um, where were we? Titans 4, Broncos, uh, Panthers 18. One tries, three. Zero out of one conversions for the Titans. Three out of three for Penrith. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> one missed two-point field goal attempt. 72% completion for both sides. 31 out of 43 sets for both sides. Two line breaks to one. 49 tackle bust by the Titans to 29 for Penrith. I'm not sure if the stats guy was drinking or what in this game, but. Nine offloads to eight, one forced dropout to two, 312 tackles played 362 made by Penrith. One ruck infringement to two, one inside the 10 against Penrith, eight penalties conceded to nine, 12 errors from both teams, Tino with 40 tackles, James Fisher-Harris with 41, Marzu with 195 running metres, Edwards with 182, Sexton missed four tackles, made 13, Cleary missed five and made 17, Uh, Martin missed nine and had made 40. Cleary had 88 supercoach points, Marzu with 82, and Tino with 71. Umpy, your takeaway? Yeah, look, I thought Penrith were off. Like, and and to be down 4-0 at halftime, look, the Titans were committed. They tried really hard, and I think that's the hardest they've probably tried consistently throughout a game for the year. We've spoken about them having 30 minutes and 40 minutes and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. They were committed, just weren't good enough, I guess in the whole scheme of thing, Penrith made a lot of errors. They missed a lot of tackles and uncharacteristic drop ball from blokes that don't really normally drop the ball. Some weren't even at contact. Um, I don't know with all the yardage statistics, but I reckon that their back five other than Edwards probably run for less metres than they had all year. That, that all of those players may Tago, Crichton, and Staines probably all ran for the least amount of, of yards. That's what it looked like just from observing the game. Um, again, around the halves, Cleary and Yo sort of got the job done for them when they had to. I don't know how fair Dinkum Penrith were, and I guess <laughs> we won't know until the next couple of weeks till they play Parramatta in Melbourne, and we'll see whether, you know, how fair Dinkum they can be. I think they, they did enough to win. I actually thought the Titans were better when David Fafita wasn't on the field. And, you know, and I've tried to support him. And I actually, before the year started, thought he'd have a big year. He's been disappointing. But I thought that at times that he was off the field, that they looked quite good. Um, Their forwards probably matched Penrith. And that's, that's what's helped the Titans. I think the middles... Your Mo and Mo's and blokes like that in the middle of the field were good. Bo Firma, I thought, was really good. But I think they've got some problems with Toby Sexton. Look, the last couple of weeks, just some of the errors, choices, decisions that he's made. Now, I know that it probably doesn't help him that the team's not going great. But I, I, look, I don't know. They they probably have to persist. I feel like it's... Um, like, and we don't talk about... We actually haven't talked... We, we've mentioned him in passing a bit, but... At least these other guys, your Ilias's, your Arthur's, that we've been, whether we've been critical or not, 
they have some experience around him, and this is legitimately a spine with no experience. Apart, like yeah, AJ's yeah, gone back absolutely. to fullback, but for the last eight weeks he's been playing five yep. position. He doesn't play, and then they've got no like Aaron Clark. Yeah, he's a player, and um, then they've got Will Smith in who. Oh, that's right. So then that's what I mean. So they've probably got to persist with him, but there's not much support. That's why I'm saying it's it's really hard yes, to make yeah. a decision about him going forward based upon what we've Sorry, seen. That was half a defense from him from me from my Oh part. look and, and and so do I. That's why I would yeah. say you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater with him. But oh, at the moment, like some of the errors that he's making and even skill errors, pass passing, not in front, going behind, like that, those even those young players aren't doing. Um, yeah, so I don't know where it all sits. I don't know whether the whole letting Jamal Fogarty go is probably been the right thing. The same as South letting Reynolds go. I think if you've got someone, you probably need to keep them. Would be my take out, my takeaway from from that. But look, yeah, Penrith did enough to win, but they were off. Like it's probably the worst that I that they've played. They were well off. <laughs> quite a well. while. Um, and in the end, did enough to win. The score probably flattered them in the end. The fact that the other team really didn't look like scoring other than the time they scored. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I've been bagging the t- um, Titans forward pack out for the last couple of weeks. So I'd have to give them a wrap on this one. I thought they were um, tremendous, especially in the first probably 50, 60 minutes of this game. They tore out of the box and um, they put the pressure on the Panthers and they seemed to actually have Penrith from the back foot for a good part of that first half and different parts in that second half as well. And it seemed to rattle Penrith, um, which you can't say very often, to be honest. As you mentioned, I'm not sure they were 100% up for it because it only seemed that there was only really one or two blokes that took it back to them <laughs> and the rest of them just sort of were going through their paces. But, um, yeah, you don't know. You don't, obviously, we're not in there. Um, we're not in there in a sanctum to see what's been said and what was, you know. But I dare say they probably would have got a bit of a break so after this only, one. Only, um, it's been mentioned a bit that there's been a, you know, you take it for its worth, but there's been a, everyone's been crook in the camp and yeah, um, true. I think okay. There's a few crook last I week. I didn't actually and, hear that. Yeah. Um, May's sick at the moment so that's well heading into the preview that's why it looks like 2 might be brought back a week early but mm-hmm. maybe there's more to that than we know but yeah yeah, yeah right okay um, yeah, it took for a little while to get going they, they got back on got the field position in the you know the, in the sorry and field position and possession there for good chunks in that second half and it was really only the the golden boot of Nathan Cleary that got him out of this, to be honest. Um, he laid on all three tries with his little short kicking game and the grubber in behind the line. Um, it's perfectly timed grubbers with the guys running on, you know, with the guys outside him running onto it perfectly and then just, you know, they bounced up straight into their, into their lap. Um, just on Sexton, I think, as you mentioned, I thought he'd been going quite well up until about two weeks ago. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or, um, as you mentioned, Brimson moving out of six, um, has heaped a little bit more pressure on him, but yeah, his last two weeks have been extremely poor, and um, he's going to need to lift. Otherwise, these guys are going to go even further backwards than what they are at the moment. Um, it's getting a bit concerning around the Titans. If they their forward pack will keep them in most games if they play well, but the last two games have played like rubbish, and they've basically just been walked all over by some of the other teams in the comp. So uh, for me, I'm starting to get a little concerned about the Titans, to be honest. Don't they almost have they almost need to become 
the Bulldogs and just try and build a build a plan around getting their forwards going forward and then worry about it when they get and give down. Give Mazu the ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> just let him but run it. And just really simplifying it instead of trying to yeah, put Fafita in the centres or push him wider and wider. Or well, is an absolute beast with the ball. Like you get, get, yeah. As soon as you get within 15, 20 metres, he at least has to have one touch in the set to have a shot at the line. Like seriously, yeah. just tell him to come into the centres and just run at the, the halfback. Like, which is what Fafita probably should have been doing, but <laughs> he hasn't done much. Um, yeah, I mentioned sex and struggle. There was no real standouts from the, the outside backs for the Titans. I thought May and Targo were decent for Penrith. Um, Fisher, Harris and Kikau were, were good, but it's the two standouts for Penrith every week. It's Yo and Cleary. It's, even when they're not playing well, they're still their best two players. Yeah, there, there's nothing. What else can we add about this game? Uh, it was, wasn't a great one. What are you saying? Cleary 3, Tino 2. Yo to Tino one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and honorary mention to Kevin Proctor, 45 minutes for one run and four metres. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Kev. Sorry. Let that Hasn't well. he fallen off a cliff? We've, we've mentioned it for, what, probably 12 months? But, wow. I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if uh, he's hit the bottom at the bottom of the cliff and been watching he's down still the river falling. at the moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, 40 to 22, the Bunnies beat... I thought it was, they were brave, Manly, uh, given brave. they lost they down to 12 players after, what, four minutes or something? They still uh, look would, like winning it after 50 minutes. Yeah. Oh. And it just uh, just cost out in the end. Um, Barney, the stats, and you can give your thoughts. Yeah, seven tries to four. Five out of seven conversions. Played three out of four. One out of one penalty goals for South Sydney. Eight, 80% completion played 83%. 33 out of 41 sets played 31 out of 37. Eight line breaks for Souths, two for Manly. 40 tackle busts for Souths, 32 for Manly. Six offloads to four. One force dropout for Manly, one 20 for Manly. 312 tackles made to 292. Two ruck infringements against Manly, two inside the tens against Souths and one against Manly. Three penalties conceded to six. 13 errors to 11. One send-off. Murray with 36 tackles. Croker with 43. Graham with 190 metres and Tolapulutu with 193. Walters, excuse me, Walker made 99 supercoach points, Foran with 87 and Tass with 84. Cool. What do, we, do we talk about the send-off now? Or? Well, <laughs> um, well, what do we think? Obviously, it cost it them the game. Uh, I was would have been happy with 10 minutes, given current trends. Um Extremely dangerous, so you can notice, you can sort of see why they did send him off. But I thought more the fact that the tackle was driving up, and it was when his feet swung out, and um, you know, the momentum just tipped over that tipping point, and um, that's why he ended up in such a dangerous position. It wasn't the fact that he was lifted up and then driven, you know, down into the ground. The fact that um, he got. Um, he hit him and was driving up at that 45 degree angle and then the weight swung around sort of back behind his shoulder and that forced him to fall down on top of the player. But My initial reaction at first look was off. I was said horrible it looking, wasn't straight it? away. I just sort of, when, when it's happened, I thought he, he's off and I think he knew once he realised what had happened, he, he was going to go. I don't think it was deliberate. I don't think no. he meant for it to happen, but... It's more good luck than good management that someone's not badly hurt yep. in terms of that. And I think that 
with the lifting stuff like that, you just it's one of those things like the the get, getting the legs out when they whatever they, those tackles are called. I've lost my words at the moment. Those cannonball tackles and, and whatnot that they just you can't do it. The players have got to be protected. So look. My initial reaction was off. I wouldn't have been disappointed with a 10-minute staggy, as you said, in light of what other punishments players have gotten this year. But I think the judiciary's probably got it about right in terms of the charge, I guess. You know, at least there was consistency this week with Jack White and getting two weeks for something similar but not as bad, I suppose. So they've sort of got the gradings right, probably if that's their their baseline for them. So that's my initial reaction was that that he'd go and, you know, just more for the look than than anything. And, again, it's probably a good thing that they've done it based on the look rather than the injury. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you've got to sort of drive through now rather than um, up, I guess, um, yeah. with the tackle technique. But. Yeah. And, I know, and, yeah, ultimately it meant your South almost – pretty much done when it happened, but I also understand you can't referee to the time of the game or anything like that either. So it was what it was. Uh, As a result, Manly were brave, Barney. There was a few, um, actually, just a few few, um, things thrown around I've heard on the radio just in the last couple of days. What would you guys think about, um, like, what the rugby union did? So you get, basically, you get sent off for 20 minutes. Um, the player can't return, but after 20 minutes, you can replace him with one of your bench players. So you lose an interchange, players off for 20 minutes, and then you go back to your full 13 on the field. Stuffs up your rotation off the I, bench, 20-minute penalty. I, I haven't hadn't really thought about it. Um, it could work. I, I'm wary of adding more rules to the game because I, there's too many for me to follow at the moment. And... Uh, not sure rugby union wants is necessarily a template for rugby league to be successful anymore, but because generally they're uh, going to. But we, we I think we all agree that there needs to be a perhaps a better skate like a five, ten, and twenty. Maybe, um, well, that's an extension of it. But like we've also said, like five minutes is potentially enough for some things as well. So I really think there should be a five minute. So um, maybe, maybe that that scaled system can work. Uh, I think it's got merit and and like everything else, it'll end up having loopholes in it and people will end up complaining and say, look, and this is where I'm playing devil's advocate with it. If Cameron Murray then goes off for the rest of the game and South have to use an interchange there and are a player short because of that injury, but the other team only have 20 minutes and have their full complement of players is 20 minutes a big enough penalty to cover possibly you losing your best player and then having to cut so you get your changes? Own, you just get playing your devil's own. advocate. Like, I think yeah, it's a good idea, yeah. but just playing devil's advocate. What if that was on Tommy Turbo when he's off? Or, or Cameron Murray, who's the best think. player, arguably, who doesn't come back on to the field. Or worse, if Cameron Murray does land on his head and he's out for the season, then... You yeah, wouldn't get... Yeah, you wouldn't get in the context of that game. Yeah, if Murray yeah. doesn't come back on, then they're down to 16, the other team are not. Yeah. Down to 16. Well, you, you'd get your 18th point. man because of foul play. So your 18th well, man... Pot, yeah, that's what so I mean. They'd have to have some thought around, player, but around... Yeah, no, I can understand that, especially in, obviously, what's what stops you from getting a kid out of Reggie's and you go and take Cleary's head off? That's right. 
So I think if as much as it spoils the game, for the, and I didn't think the game was spoiled. Like Manly could never really. Oh, Manly could have rolled over and got well, absolutely like, in, in terms of that, but the game's kind of ruined. But what what can you do in terms of that? Like send off's been in the game since the game started, and no, absolutely, and just don't do it. <laughs> in the end, Good don't point. do Good it. Point. Don't drive a hundred in a sixty zone, pissed no. because if you get caught, there's you, consequences. You can't about it. Yeah, yeah. No. What do you think of uh, South's performance, San Barn? I thought there was a few strong individual performances from South, but I, I really think they're struggling as a team to gel together, especially their backline. Um, there's a it seems to get to certain points in the field and just shuts down constantly. Um, Ilias and Walker really don't seem to be playing together at all. Um, it's basically one side of the field or the other. Or it's I don't think I've ever seen Walker pass the ball to Ilias yet. I've seen Ilias pass it to Walker a few times, but I've never seen Walker. And a Walker only goes one way after he gets it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's away from Ilias. So. Yeah. Um, I think they well and truly would have got beaten in this game if Manly weren't without a player. Um, I know, it, obviously, it changes Manly's mentality, and they probably did play a, a bit harder once they lost the player there, especially for that first half because they were they were breathing fire after the bloke got sent off, and they were um, they were really strong actually. I thought Manly for good majority of this game, obviously, the last fifteen minutes they just ran it, they just stopped. Um, they basically were. <laughs> We're walking around the field there for the last ten or fifteen minutes of this game, but you can't um, you can't discredit them for that. It's going to be interesting to see how much juice it takes out of them for next week. Have they got a full week turnaround or five days, or I'm not sure. But no, they're on Saturday. They're six days. They're on Saturday. Six days, but I'd imagine there'd be a few sore boys out there. They may have to um, limit the, some training out of some of the forwards because they work their absolute backsides off in this game. Um, Foreign and DCE were probably the reason that the game stayed as close as it was. I thought they were tremendous, um, the halves from Manly. And they just continued to turn up time and time again to turn Souths away because Souths had a lot of ball there at one point on Manly's line and they just couldn't crack them. Um, Manly's defence was fantastic and when they had their opportunities, they seemed to take them as well. So I would have actually really liked to watch this game played out with 13 men on both sides of the field. Um, I think it would have been a cracking contest and it would have been somewhere around 22 to 24 or something like that. So, But, um, yeah, what can you say? Souths ended up running away with it at the back end of the game. There's still issues for me with Souths. Um, they, then the whole forward pack never seems to stand up at once. Murray does every week, but then you might only have one other person that seems to join him every week. And then there's a couple of blokes that just don't seem to be doing their job. Cooler Matangi actually probably does his job most weeks, but... Um, the rest of them can float in and out of games. Yeah, I thought Jai Arrow was, was pretty good the other night too, <coughs> uh, yep. with his time he had on the field. No, no, true. And um, actually, Burgess was pretty good in this one too. But, um, yeah, there's uh, there seems to be a few holes in this Souths team. I'm not sure how they're going to go up against some of the better teams. Um, so look, there's two young blokes out there, Tass from South and Tulipalutu from Manly. I like the style of both of those players. I think they're both extremely strong, um, willing ball runners, and they, they want to get involved. Tulipalutu's had a bad game yet. No, I don't think he has. No, no he's, he's been good. Mm. Yeah, and um, they both run really hard, and their defence seems pretty good too for, some, for a couple of young fellas. So 
to me, I'll be watching those guys pretty closely over the next um, for the rest of the season because I don't think I think they'll both probably now stay on the side for the rest of the season. Um, Schuster was amazing. Consider it was his first game back. Geez, that kicked the ball play. <laughs> Some of the passes he put on to put folks into holes and put people away is amazing what he can do. Um, Jake, Jake was pretty good again, but um, what do you say, Cook? Keon and uh, Murray were the best for South. Burgess was okay. Graham, Campbell Graham for me is coming to form like he's never had in his career before. Like obviously back end of last year he was he was peaking, but the last four to six weeks he has just been fantastic. He's been one of the best centers running around in the comp. So he's um <laughs> he's amazing. he does well, a lot of really good things for South. There was. 18 rounds last year, he didn't touch the ball. So yeah. when he did last the back end of last year and this year, it's um, it's showing up his class. He's on an easy. He was in the New South Wales team last mm-hmm. year, so uh, he's got to be spoken about. Uh, Gump, your takeaways from here? Yeah, look, I think it's all been summed up pretty well. I think that Ola Kawadu was a big out before the game started and became an even bigger out because I guess Lawton, who took his spot. <laughs> was the one that got sent off. So, you know, it becomes a huge out that you don't have Ola Kawada and then you're playing with 12. I think that Manly far more dangerous and we'll see moving forward with Turbo in and Ola Kawada and Schuster on edges and DCE and Foran. I think they might start a bit of a run now. Um, Manly, if they can sort of just, the forwards can play half decent and these guys can stay injury free. I, I think, you know, and I'm with Barney. I'm still, jury's out for me for South. It was Katie Walker's best game, but he was against 12 men where he had some space to probably like do what he wanted to do. Um, but, look, it, there was parts of that game, even in the second half, where Manly got close and you thought, geez, if they score here and get their second win that they could hold them off. Like there was a bit, about 15 minutes to go when they started to get gassed, but I thought Manly can still win this game or get really, really close. And then they just fatigued and sort of fell away a little bit at the end. Yeah. I, I, we had a comment about probably Walker. finished top eight, but um, oh, I'll get back to Walker in a sec as well. Uh, I'll let you have a chat. But um. They just feel lucky this year, South. Like they're winning. They, they had the Canterbury game, where they scored all their points in that ten minutes at the just for half time. They had this game, where and it's the best Walkers looked is when they're playing twelve men. And you can run left and there's an overlap, but um, his kicking's not a grade. Oh, he doesn't have a kicking game. Really. No, well that's right. So so he's relying on Ilias there, and then um. I don't think his leadership's A grade, so they're missing two key aspects, and they're running around for twenty-year-old halfback. So it's I don't quite know. I I have been underwhelmed by him, put it that way. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I necessarily expected to be expecting much more. So it makes sense. Um, yeah. What were you thinking, Gump? Yeah, I think they're around. Yeah, I I didn't. My expectations were the bottom part of the eight, and I think that's probably still where they'll finish by virtue of the fact that. They're just better than most other teams and they've got enough stars in their team probably to win them games that they need to win. Latrell comes back into the team and if he's fit for for 12 games, do they win eight of the 12 that Latrell plays against teams that are around them? 
which is probably enough to get them there. But look, I I can't see them really figuring to beat the good teams when the games matter on what I'm seeing. And I know that we probably said that about South last year a couple of times when they had 50 put on them, but they're not the same team as they were last year. As we said, the kicking game is not even 50% as to what it was in terms of that. So they don't have that advantage now, even where they've, you know, got that really good kicking game and they can put teams into corners and, and do that. So I can I, see um, <coughs> the other thing about Latrell being back, if his legs stay on, uh, him handling a lot of the kicking if they're pinned in area half, he'll just boot at 80 metres upfield. Well, it's a possibility much. as well. Yeah. Any else, boys? I tip It's funny because I tip Manly's game, and I'm even though I didn't get points for it, I'm, I was pretty happy with the tip at the end of the day. So, oh, if they 13 on 13, you get your point. Yeah. So and I don't get mine because I pick South. So, yeah. I'll take that as a point that I shouldn't have got in tipping. Yeah. But, you know, it's all a. Uh, What's it all mean? Uh, three, two, ones. You have to give it to Walker. Um, I think he was obviously the bloke who created most of the points for the for the team. Uh, DCE, I gave two points to, and I gave Tom Burgess the one. The only one that I might have different there is Kieran Foran in there, but you'd probably need two South players and one Manly player, so I'm happy to go with. Well, I think it's the first time Burgess is. I think he made something like eight or nine tackle busts, and he hasn't done. Yeah, that no, he was time, strong. So. He was real strong. Saturday kicked off with 21-20, the Warriors we getting home game? against... What's that? I said, can we skip this one? Yeah. <laughs> just we have to spend it. time on it. Whoa. There's probably three talk, talking points, uh, and they've all been talked about enough. Uh, in this game of rugby league, Barn. Yeah, Warriors 21, Raiders 20. Three tries of the piece, three out of three conversions for both teams, and one out of one field goal attempt for the Warriors. Uh, oh, sorry, a penalty one out of one penalty goals for both sides. Also, fifty-nine percent completion for the Warriors, seventy percent for the Raiders. Twenty-six out of forty-four sets played, twenty-eight out of forty. Three hundred and fifty plus running meters for the Raiders. Three line breaks to four. Nineteen tackle busts to the Warriors. Twenty-four to the Raiders. Five offloads to ten. Zero forty twenties. Three hundred and forty tackles made made by the Warriors. Three hundred and two by the Raiders. Two rack infringements to one. Zero inside the tens to one. Seven penalties conceded to nine, 17 errors for the Warriors, 18 for the Raiders. Egan made 47 tackles, Starling 37. Fanua Blake with 143 metres. And what have I written down there? Oh, Corey Hosborough with 157 metres. Sirenen missed five tackles, made 36. Johnson missed three and made 15. Schneider missed four and made 10. Uh, Adam Elliott with 104 super coach points, Aiken with 101, and Whiten with 77. Jump, what do you take away? Oh, look, not a lot. Not a lot that what I didn't already know. Um, <laughs> I think you and Aiken again is making himself a lot more expensive commodity than he might have been at the start of the year. He runs some really good lines for the Warriors and Love the way in the back hold. row, you know, he hits so holes and runs really hard and is he, good defensively. Um, you know, Sean Johnson did his job sort of getting them around the field, but just the errors in this game, just and, and at crucial times and basic fundamental errors, I don't know that either team 
wanted to win that much <laughs> until <laughs> I guess Johnson kicked the field goal and he sort of they won. I I don't understand the Raiders. They've been like it for quite a while now when they haven't sort of been on, they'll get out to leads and just it falls apart. Like, and as Barney said, they ran for more meters. They probably, they looked stronger. I don't know if it's when they take Papali'i and Tarpany off the field that they just lose so much that they can't sort of recover when they come back on or they've lost momentum or what it is, I, look, I couldn't really put my finger on it in terms of, of that. But To me, they seem to shit themselves in defence yeah, when I, the pressure's I, I, on. Look, I just... don't – yeah, it, it could just – I don't know, Barney, the lack of communication, lack of confidence. I don't know. I don't want to say too much because the Bulldogs play in this week <laughs> without White and whatnot, and it's a game that the Bulldogs probably should win. So mm. I don't want to really – no, you know, shit in my own bed and put too much shit on them. But they were, <laughs> they, yeah, I they, I couldn't, you, you, the thing you take out of it is that they're both teams that will finish in the bottom six. That, Maybe that's even the bottom four. The way correct. Going. So, you know, I'll, I'll put it in six because I'll probably put more teams in that category than four. Yeah, absolutely. So the Neither of them will trouble anybody that's decent. Oh, to me, this was this was seriously two teams going. Who can fuck shit up better than the other yeah. team? Like <laughs> that's it. it was like, oh, what a fucking you know, that was a fucking horrible penalty. Oh, watch me do this, and then it's oh, that's like one of the worst errors I've ever seen in my life. Oh, dude, hold my beer. Like fucking, it was just on for all money. Every time one of them made a stupid error or just a dumb gave away a dumb penalty, the other team just did it five minutes later, and it was almost the exact same thing back and forth. Um, I've got no. I thought Sean Johnson actually went missing in this game for the majority of it. Um, he didn't seem interested at all, to be honest. And Assi and Reese Walsh had to take over the majority of the ball playing, and um, Johnson basically just sat there and kicked. Um, I didn't think he did much else at all in this game, and I was pretty disappointed in his output uh, in this one, to be honest. There was really nobody in this game that was really any that good. Um, Adam Elliott had his best game in a long, long time playing at nine. Who would have thought that? But um, he, he got in and amongst it and did some really strong work. And he's actually he was actually ball playing quite well too out of nine, which um, which made a few inroads for the for the Raiders. Uh, Schneider, I don't know what it is. They seem to play to him for the first 20, 30 minutes of the game and then they just cut him out for the rest of the match and just go white and white and white and white and white. Um, I don't know if it's a plan. He's been told, you know, once we get to certain points in the field, you just have to pass the ball and get out of it. But I don't seem to let him have a go after about 20 minutes, half an hour of a game. Um, even the hooker starts cutting him out and going straight to White, which is interesting. Ralphman his worst game in a long time. Um, he was badly out of position all night at fullback, um, which is funny because he's played some pretty good games at fullback before that I've seen him play, but he was all over the place in this one. He, wherever the ball went, he either seemed to be two or three steps too late or just metres and metres out of position. It just It was glaringly obvious to me. But um, I thought Lodge and Sirenham were okay for the Warriors, but Egan and Aitken were the best two players for them. Yeah, yeah let's move on. And uh, you got a 3-2-1? 
Yeah, you and Aiken with three, had Whiten with two, and Elliot with one. Cool. I thought the no. Raiders were by far the better team in this and should have won and won well. But No, yep, yeah, fair enough. Uh, where are we at? Bulldogs, 16. Uh, Roosters, 12. Yeah. yeah, Dog 16 against the Roosters, 12. Three tries apiece, two out of three conversions for the Dogs and zero conversions for the Roosters. 81% completions for the Bulldogs, 66%. 31 out of 38 sets played, 28 out of 42. Three line breaks to two, 21 tackle bust to 27, four offloads to 11. One force dropout for the Roosters, one forty twenty for the Bulldogs. 322 tackles played, 367. Two ruck infringements to three. One inside the 10 against the Roosters. Seven penalties conceded by the Dogs, three by the Roosters. Ten errors to 18. Thompson made 40 tackles. Verrills made 45. Josh had a car with 163 metres. Teddy with 299. Burton with 18 tackles and he missed four. Jeremy Marshall King missed six but made 38. Manu missed four, made 24. And Naguama missed three and made nine. Teddy, 94 supercoach points. Crichton with 80. And Josh Adokar with 76. How good. Nice to see the dogs get up. Who'd have thunked it? Who'd have thunked it? But anyway, I said last week that if the Bulldogs only won one game all year, as long as they beat the Roosters. So I was quite happy on... Saturday night, I was at the pub with my wife and the kids, and the kids were quite embarrassed that Dad was in the pub <laughs> yelling at the TV for the last three minutes and throwing beers when I thought Suwali had scored. And then, oh, how, how um, are you? How are you yeah, then? I wasn't. I wasn't good. <laughs> it was a game that, in the end, the Bulldogs probably deserved to win. I know it was yes. three tries all, and it came down to goal kicks, but I thought that their commitment throughout the game. Again, still that lack of polish to probably finish a team off is probably still lacking. They probably had a couple more tries that they left out there in terms of, of the the match. Um, you know, they were committed. They defended really well. But it was another one of those games <coughs> where the better team were off and the, the lower team played closer to their ability than than was expected. Maybe the Bulldogs were probably close to their best again defensively like the Broncos were against the Sharks. And the Roosters made a lot of errors. Still very clunky. Um, Keary was better this week, but Walker was not great for them. Non-existent, really. In in terms of that, Teddy's like playing really well, trying really hard and made a a lot of errors. Um, I thought the forward matchup was was pretty close. I thought the Bulldogs front rowers probably played the starting front rowers probably played better than the the Roosters yes. front rowers. Thompson Absolutely. and Vaughan were were really good in, in terms of that. It was Matt Burton's best game for the club. Um, stood up with a forty twenty that led to a try later in the game. His kicking was quite good. Passing, I'd still like to see him run the ball a little bit more. Um, look what they've paid for the Fox, no matter how many games they win throughout the season, his enthusiasm and and what he brings to the team, I think is amazing. Like the intercept there, as soon as it's good to finally, the Bulldogs have never been a team that's had much pace, I guess, since a Brett Dallas or somebody like that. But as soon as Adokar takes that intercept, 
he's home. And as a supporter, that's great to know that you've got somebody that will catch the ball and can run 90 metres. Even with you on his back, mate, whipping him all the way down the street. Oh, I was. I was. (laughs) But um, it was an an easy watch where you probably thought over the 1,000-metre sprint that he was was not going to get caught. Um, Again, the Roosters, I'm concerned, like I am for a team like Souths, that they're just... At this stage of the year, they're not going to match it with, with, with so the top team. Like said earlier, the, the better team played worse, but how long do they keep playing worse till they're not the better team? Well, exactly I was going to say something is, similar, to be honest, you know, but they haven't. Yeah. I don't think they've played well this year, have they? No, I can't no. remember. No, we've been saying it, and you tip them every week saying, well, I think this will be the week, <laughs> and I think yes. this will be the week, and maybe this is this is it. They're, they're, they're one brought. of those middle-of-the-range mm-hmm. teams that, you know, are going to take a little bit longer to to gel. I, I don't know in terms of that. I couldn't put my finger on sort of where it's gone wrong. The coach has come out and sort of blamed himself in terms of that. But what else is he going to do in terms of that? He's, he's not going to come out and he's not that type of guy that will bag his players. So he's taken a lot of the 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 flack for, you know, the, the performances and the way that they, they've sort of been going. I know that um, Ollie's probably disappointed. God bless his little cotton socks that he thought Trent Barrett would go, but this has probably bought Trent Barrett a little bit more time um, in terms of, of where they go. And I know that over Bad the next few weeks... Baz, just sit back and let Gus coach every week. Well, and, and that's the problem. <laughs> with sit the sideline and come Now out. that Trent Barrett doesn't really get the credit for the win, Gus gets it. So he was on a hiding to nothing. If they win, Gus gets 100%. the credit. And if they lose then it'll be Barrett's fault and he'd get the arse. So, um, look, as a supporter, I don't care who coaches them as long as they put in and they they start to get some Ws on the board. Um, and over the next few weeks, they've really got an, an easier draw. They've got Raiders and Knights the next couple of weeks. So, realistically, two games they should win. They won't be far out of the eight if they win them. Like, and that's how crazy the whole thing is that, you know, they'll be on eight points. And the, the eighth team will probably be only on ten in a couple of weeks' time if they can if they can jag a few wins and I and think they're going to get and then they're going to get Penrith without um Penrith in Origin round in Origin and then I think they've got St George so and they have Penrith power through Origin so well and based on and based on my theory now the Roosters can't win it any team that the Bulldogs beat can't win the comp yeah the, the same as what I said when. The low when a low team beats a good side, they might win it, but I can't see the good teams won't lose against those teams. Well, if if they've got their full team on the paddock, like Penrith might lose to somebody during Origin or Melbourne, but those teams aren't going to beat them. Yeah, great to see the dogs get the win. Um, Oh, look, I'm happy about it. Like. Not having that much to celebrate, so I, I know how Daggy felt the, the, the last well, few last weeks two weeks with, yeah. with the Tigers, and and yeah. probably nearly got to feel that way again. We'll get to that game shortly. But no, the crash yeah. to ground's no good, but anyway. it was it was good for him to to get. It wasn't a the yeah, it wasn't the most clinical victory, but um, they they fought really really hard, and um, the last couple of weeks they have been fighting tooth and nail. Um, even when they've been getting turned over and getting beaten by, you know, decent scores, they've still been in and in for the fight. And that's what you want to see out of any team. Um, I, I think that makes, you know, supporters are pretty happy even if you're getting beaten and if your team's putting in for the majority of the game. So um, 
it, yeah, it's good, really good to see, to be honest. Um, Dogs' defense was brilliant, especially at the start of this game. They were hitting and they were hitting extremely hard, and it seemed to rattle the Roosters again, as I mentioned earlier, with um, the Titans and Penrith. Um, they got up in the Roosters' face and they, they sort of bashed their forwards and stopped their go forward and then slowed everything up and made it really hard for the Roosters to, um, to do anything. Uh, the Roosters did end up starting to get on a roll through the middle and they were making some pretty good metres through the middle of the field, but then they get to 30 out, and I don't know what it is with that 30 out with the Roosters. Yeah. As soon as they get within 30 metres of their opponent's goal line, they just go from side to side, and they go run around in circles, and then they just lose their head. And it's a bit of white line fever. I don't. Again, I still don't think that they know who the chief is out there, and I think that there's too many of them trying to do too much. In yep. terms of, of you know, your Kiri, your Walkie, your Tedesco, even Manu is that type of player that wants to get his hands on the ball and 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 Radley. So they've but got most of the time of... they seem to want to do it themselves. So they're not doing it for the blokes yeah. outside them, which no. you know, obviously is not going to help, uh, especially with your halves. You don't want blokes, you know. Obviously, you want them to take on the line occasionally, but Sam Walker basically he takes on the line first and then passes second and. Kiri doesn't take on the line and passes before anyone gets anywhere near him, so they just slide off him and go to his outside um, his outside men. So, yeah, there's something that, there's definitely a lot to work on for the Roosters. But um, I, I didn't think there was too many of the Roosters that were fantastic. Um, it was good to see Teddy straighten up a little bit, and he actually played rather than playing running out towards the sideline. He cut back inside the centres and sort of played that. That hole that he really likes to hit, especially on that left-hand side in between the, the half and the and the centre. And he, he made a lot of metres doing it and it, it helped the Roosters' cause. But the dog scramble was fantastic. Um, as I mentioned, the defence was really good. Josh Adokar, he just seems so driven at the moment. I don't think I've seen a bloke get so fired up at, at his teammates, especially this year. Um, he just rips into his team. <laughs> he just rips into yeah. them constantly. And... Um, it's good to see, like, there's some pride about him and it's starting to me to seem that that's why he went to the Bulldogs. Like, he is there to take the Bulldogs and make it his team and get them to go somewhere. Like, it, it just seems that you can see it. It's written all over his face. The He's driving the expectations, with. isn't he? Like, he, he seems to be the driver of, you know, we want high expectations here and, and these things are, are the... KPIs for us to be. Yeah, these are the non-negotiables, and you come yep. with me, or you can fuck off. And he's, he rips into them, he tells them all, and he's playing with so much passion at the moment. I love to see it. He's poster boy for that at the moment. It's can really you compare good. That to other, just just quickly on him. Compare that to some <laughs> of the blokes who have either been given the reins of teams or supposedly brought in to do that, and mm-hmm. they're not. Let's say I haven't seen. Nice. I don't think I've seen but anybody he's, he's, as vocal. He comes as from he. a high standard, and it's. If he's going to expect that and keep stamping it, that's good signs for as long as he's there. And the thing is, too, that he's a winger, so you don't re- you rarely see wingers do it. Yeah, no, they're normally out no. on their wing, just you know, letting the time go, and you know they'll get the ball and whatnot. But he's driving that from the wing. So yeah, who's the well. captain? Who is the captain? He of the captain Bulls? on the weekend, I think. It was him. Yeah, but he is he's everything for them at the moment. He is their captain, even if he doesn't have the arm end on. And but I if he's coming he been... as a premiership winger, mm. the new the new South Wales winger and the Australian winger, that's what you want from any representative. Even when he wasn't scoring tries, you know, like everyone was commenting on him, he hasn't scored a try for six weeks or whatever, but he was still doing the same thing. He was, he was still, still yeah, always absolutely. there. He was ripping yeah. into the team. 
And first try, he ran out of dummy half. But like I said to you last week, just fucking run from dummy half. And he saw it and he went and he scored. He did it easy. Like so many opportunities in that in that dog's team. Um, I really, you know, it's always been a knock on Flanagan, but he has to run the ball occasionally, even if it's only two or three times a game, just to get, you know, because they just lay off him. They know he's not going to run it. They don't even There's worry no- about trying to tackle him. No. They either get in his face and try to knock him over quickly or they just wait for him to pass the ball. So, <laughs> so he's, he's doing a decent job, though. His kicking game has been okay. And he's, um, you know, he's been giving Burton a little bit more time and space, which, you know, has helped Burton at different times. But he's the best they got. So they got to persist. Yes, no, probably the same as the old Toby Sexton thing. He probably the best. Well, he's the best they got. So they've got to show faith now and. And then buy somebody else if the opportunity comes later. But Kerry was okay. The back rowers were pretty good for the. Well, they were really good actually for the Roosters. I thought they were probably their best players apart from Teddy, who I've already mentioned, who was the Roosters' best player. It's really good to see the dogs. The best players out there on the weekend were all the guys that they bought last year. It was Dufty. It was Vaughan. It was well, Thompson was been there, but it was Tavita Pangai Junior. It was Burton, and it was Josh Adokar. They all stood up and they all stood up at once. And um, yeah, that's what got them to win in this one. You got the honour of picking some points, Gump? Oh, look, I, well, we'll just see what Barney reckons. I might be a bit. <laughs> well, I had Josh. Josh had a car with the three. I had Davida Penguin Jr. with the two. And then I had Tedesco with the one point. Yeah, I, I'm happy to run with that 100%. Now, speaking of teams that are, well, we, we mentioned well, what point to the better teams not be considered that. Well, what point do the teams playing above themselves be considered better teams? And we saw it here when the Cowboys absolutely wiped Parramatta off the park. Uh, Barney, what does that say? And what did you take away from the game? Yeah, four points to 35 for the Cowboys. One try to six, zero conversions for Parramatta out of one attempt, four out of six for the Cowboys. One out of one field, uh, one out of one point field goal for the Cowboys and one out of one penalty goal attempts. 84% completion played 89% for the Cowboys. 32 out of 38 sets played 33 out of 37. One line break to six. 17 tackle bust to 36. Nine offloads to eight. Three forced dropouts for Parramatta. 0-40-20s. 326 tackles played 350 for the Cowboys. One ruck infringement from both teams. Zero inside the tens. Three penalties conceded to six. 11 errors from Parramatta. Eight from the Cowboys. Mahoney made eight, 48 tackles, Cotter with 54, Madison with 210 running metres, and Jason Tamalolo with 187. Regan Campbell-Gillard missed four tackles, made 25. Hayes Perham missed three and made seven. Holmes missed two and made nine. Felt with 113 supercoach points at Drinkwater with 113. Cotter with 75 and Madison with 72. I thought the first 30 minutes of this game was actually quite good. They both really ripped in in the middle. There wasn't any points. There wasn't a lot of broken field play or anything like that, but it was just an absolute slugfest for the first 30 minutes of this match. Cowboys got the ascendancy. Um, came off the back of Tom Malolo. Again, he is absolutely regenerated. <laughs> Considering what he's been putting out for the last two years, there, thereabouts, this last probably month of football, he's been close to the best back rower in the competition. I've brought him into super coach now. He's going that good. <laughs> Absolutely. You paid over so what you could have at the start, did you? I know, but <laughs> no, you've got to have him now, I think. Yeah. 
you know, everything was about the minutes. We all mentioned it last year. He's only playing 40, 50 minutes. He's still only playing 50, 55 minutes, but he's just absolutely tearing it up. He's back and he seems to be interested again, which is obviously has a big um, outcome on what the players put out there if they're actually interested in what they're doing. But um, what about that cutout ball from Drinkwater for the first try? Jesus, that bloke, <laughs> you know. We, you know, they sit out for six weeks or whatever. He wasn't picked in the team, but and you forget about him. But his passing game, when it's on, is one of the better passing games in the competition, especially that long ball. He rifles it out there and it just seems to hit blokes on the chest and they score tries. Since he's been put back to fullback for this Cowboys team, obviously he may have got a rocket sitting on the sidelines thinking, shit, my career might be done here or I might have to move somewhere else and lose some money out of my contract. But he's been stupendous with his ball playing in the last three to four weeks. It's been amazing. And I love seeing it. Um, you don't see it happen all that often and Drinkwater is providing it week after week at the moment. And I thought he was close to the best player on the field. But um, Cowboys, again, played a fantastic 80 minutes of football. Like, this was an 80-minute performance out of the Cowboys, and I questioned the defence. Um, you know, we, we mentioned that they had one of the better, I think it was top three, top two defensive records coming into this game, and I questioned whether they played somebody that was going to stretch them enough. Parramatta didn't stretch them on the edges, but they did the work up the middle, and the Cowboys did it with ease. I think there was a 10-minute stretch there, basically, where Paramount had the ball on the Cowboys line for three or four repeat sets. And they just turned them away, turned them away. It didn't look like Paramount was going to crack the defensive line of the Cowboys. They just did not. <laughs> I don't think there was one moment where they had to scramble. They just slid across, all sort of sat on each other's hip and just kept making tackle after tackle. And Paramount had nothing. Um, I don't know where it's... Well, I, I know where it's gone wrong. They've taken Dylan Brown out of 5'8". And the, the attacking options are now it's clearly just on Moses, where Moses prefers to kick the ball and have a running game and let somebody else do a lot of the, um, the ball work. And the replacement that they put in there for Dylan Brown hasn't been doing a lot with the ball work. But um, the forwards got Cowboys actually bashed. Parramatta's forwards for parts of this game. like It was a pretty even contest, but there were times where the Cowboys were dominant, where they were running over the top of the Parramatta forwards. You don't see that often. Um, I seriously don't know why either, to be honest, but yeah. it happened. <laughs> and then the Cowboys um, just put on sustained, consistent pressure, um, set after set, tackle after tackle, and Paramount broke and then they broke again and then they broke again and Cowboys were running rough shot at the end of this game. Um, they probably could have scored another two or three tries as well, I thought. Um, Paramount looked real, especially in that, you know, obviously we saw three tries in the last five minutes. Paramount basically just put the white flag up and just went, no, we couldn't be bothered fucking tackling anymore. Just let them do what they want down that right-hand side of the field. But, yeah, so... I thought the Cowboys probably bombed one or two tries in this as well. Hamaso off the bench. What do you do? It seemed to work. Um, well, they've got to got... leave Drinkwater in the team. So what they do with him now, whether they put him in the on the bench or in the centres or on the wing or whatever. But at the moment, like Drinkwater and I 
don't want to cut you off, Barn, but I was his harshest You're critic right. on, on this program in terms yeah, absolutely. Of, of, but you know what? He's delivering, his attack is outstanding. And when I was thinking about it today, when I was thinking about coming on the show, and it was only a few short years ago, really, that Drinkwater was Melbourne's number one choice at fullback, and he got yeah. hurt, and Ryan Pappenhausen happened to come into the team, and Scott Drinkwater was then yesterday's news for Melbourne, but they obviously rated him highly enough to have him as their number one choice at fullback a few years ago. So, you know, maybe it's just now that it's a confident football team that, you know, something sort of clicked with him because his performances the last couple of weeks since he's been back in the team have been consistent and good. There's not the errors or the the silly decision-making that that may have been in the past and he's not having to defend in the front line, which I think makes a big difference to his game if he's not defending in the front line. His impact can be far more crucial. And the other thing with the game is, you know what, in punting, and we're all punters, but in punting terms, really, when we discussed last week their defensive record and the stats, they were a pretty good price when you look back on it. 2020 hindsight's a good thing, but they were they were probably a pretty good bet. We discussed last week about their defence and how well they defended, and the only two reasons that we probably did, that I didn't tip them was because I was I was being stubborn and I didn't rate them before the year started and probably <laughs> were waiting yeah. for them to crash. And 100%. number two is didn't really know if they played anybody that had tested them and whatever. But the defensive stats don't lie, and they're still they've still scored had under a hundred points against them. The only other team is Penrith that's had under a hundred points in eight games. So, you know, if you tip against them now, you're doing it at your peril. I reckon. The thing as well, I just had a look at their draw. They've got Penrith and Melbourne back-to-back in a couple of weeks. Apart from that, the next 10 weeks, I think they play everyone in the bottom seven. They could be – like, they could rub – they're almost mm. nearly rubber stamped in the kiss of death. Yeah. But how are they going to miss if they – Well, they're definitely going to make the eight from here. They're on 10. Yeah, you can't miss the eight. They, they, they only have to win another – 24 points might get you in. Yeah, like so they say so they win seven. If they win They're seven the of the last seventeen, yeah. they, they make it. So you know they're, they're probably pretty sure now of, of unless they fall apart, and which we've seen, but not. I, I can't see it happening just yet. Not. No, not not yet the way they're going. So they're quick. Their attack's pretty crisp, um, and their defense has been fantastic. So yeah, it doesn't look like they're going to fall apart. I thought Mahoney and Papali were pretty good for Parramatta. Madison was the best Parramatta player on the field by a long, long way. Um, Cowboys just seemed to have a really good team effort. Like, the majority of their team played really good football. There wasn't a lot of standouts of those. There was probably Tamalello and Nanoe were two of the better players. And um, one of your other favourites, Reese Robson, I thought was quite good at the half there, Gumpy. But, but have we... Also undersold maybe the value of Chad Townsend as a premiership winning halfback. He's solid, he's experienced, you know, what he's offering the group maybe at training and as a, to as be, a what to do. For, for Peyton to be like to galvanize the team, you know. Well, Deaton's never played any better either. No, so, exactly. Yeah. So has he been undersold that, you know, an experienced 
older halfback getting them around the field and just sort of saying, well, you're running now and you're running now and we want to be here. Are we understating the value of that? True. And he hasn't had the, um, he hasn't put the pumpkin on this year either, I don't think, which um, he did a few times there at the back end of the Sharks career, but I've always rated him as a very solid halfback. Because their team's not really that much different than it has been the last couple of years when they've been awful. No, but if you think, true, just even thinking about Drinkwater, Drinkwater went from playing six, I think he was seven for a bit, I think he was in the centres for a bit, then he and then to one for a little while. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, maybe just having one piece on the on the chessboard makes it easy to place the other three. So, oh, um, you're right. So, and, and upward spiral because most of these Fords are what 21 years old and they're getting Luciano next year. Majority of them, yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, we are uh, <laughs> often quick to say all the teams suck, but it's nice to see one on perhaps on his oh, side. Absolutely, for a yeah. Considering oh, the old Fords that were going to run last or 100%. I'd felt with three points, drink water with two, and Madison with the one. Yeah, he's very I'd, good. I'd be happy to swap drink Madison. water and felt. But... He's still without a job next year as well, isn't he? Yeah, someone's going to buy him very shortly. I'd be surprised if they don't. Probably <laughs> His last two or three weeks have been fantastic. He's been close to career best form. You know, he might end up Penrith. <laughs> yeah, they need another background. Kick yeah. house going, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. Sunday kicked off with the 50-4 to demolition of Newcastle, Barney. What did the stats say here? Yeah, zero tries to nine. <laughs> zero conversions for the Knights. <laughs> six out of nine for the Melbourne Storm. One out of one penalty goals for both teams. 55% completion for Newcastle. Wow, that's 55%. That's shocking. 82% for Melbourne. 16 out of 29 sets. 32 out of 39. 185 post-contact metres for the Storm. 10 line breaks to zero for Melbourne. 27 tackle busts to 34. 15 offloads to 18. Two force dropouts from Melbourne, zero 40-20s. 359 tackles made by the Knights. 214 made by the Storm. Two ruck infringements against the Storm. Zero inside the tens. Seven penalties conceded to three. 13 errors to nine. Randall with 45 tackles. Jesse Bromwich with 24 for Melbourne. Ponga with 140 running metres. Josh King with 212. Sasagi with seven missed tackles and made 18. Hughes and Smith both missed both missed two tackles and made 12. How do you seriously analyse this game? Uh, the Knights were poor in every aspect of the rugby league. And, yeah, the... Their first contact was embarrassing. I don't think I saw one bloke make a one-on-one tackle and stop the bloke when the when he first, you know, when he made first contact in defence. They just bounced off him every time. It was an absolute training run. This week, instead of the Melbourne spine running, they decided to pass and they decided to throw cutout balls, inside balls, short balls, and they just made an absolute mess of this Newcastle defensive line. Harry Grant just seems to get better and better every week. Um, the way that he played this game, where he's shooting out of um, out of hooker, engaging the markers, and then letting his big guys have one on one hit, one on one tackles against the defenders was tremendous. Like he draws in the two blokes, so now instead of having three blokes in the tackle, it's one on one against Nelson Asafa Solomona or Jesse Bromwich, and then they might get a little bit of help from the inside. That. that 
play the ball. He quick play the ball every single time when he does that. And then when he feels like it, he just goes out and plays halfback. <laughs> just yeah. runs the show at halfback as well. He's going to be a superstar of the game by the time he's finished playing in this career. Um, I'll, I'll spoil it now. He was my man of the match by a long way. I thought, you know, even as strong as Munster, Pappenhausen, Coates, all the rest of them were, he was my man of the match by a long way. I thought just about everything he did led to the way that uh, Melbourne got around the field in this game in attack. Uh, Melbourne didn't have to defend. Melbourne didn't have to go for the fight in the middle. Um, Newcastle just basically waved the white flag as soon as they came out on the field, and especially to why the hell are you taking a fucking shot at penalty when it's 20-something nil in the first half? I know it's a minute out before half time, but Jesus Christ, is that so that they, you know, for and against, that they might not end up in last at the end of the weekend or something? No. Yeah. Uh, anyway. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what, what can you say? Like, can say about is thing- apart from Randall, and Randall was decent, and Clemmer was really strong. Clemmer is still having as Barney's just frozen there. We've lost him. Uh, Gumpy. Since he's come back from injury, he's been yeah. really good. Sorry, now you uh, you just um, turned into a Dalek for about 10 <laughs> seconds. Um, I was pretty much finished anyway. Yeah, that's All right. Good. But here's the thing, how do you, how do you analyse... What do you say? They've got um, like how happy must Nick Meany and Coates be to be playing in this team? That they look well, like superstars, and you know we know where they've come from. Uh, yeah, you can say Coates is playing well, but he's in the best team, getting the best service. Uh, Olin's been good, um, probably the last month now. Uh, but again, what does it mean busting tackles when there's three blokes grabbing onto you and none of them can hold on? It's 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 hard to really analyse anything worthwhile. How to start? Despite saying that uh, Melbourne are a good team and they're much better than Newcastle, I thought, you know, don't want to kick him every week, but I will for this week. Um, like Ponga's defensive efforts, uh, some of his, all those kicks behind the line, he was nowhere to be seen. Uh, I don't know what he necessarily brings as a captain shouting at his players because he seems to just be floffing about at the back there half the time in defence as well. Um, so when that's happening from behind, like you say, well, what else is happening up front? Clifford can't every second kick goes out in a full uh, and Clunes on one leg, uh, so I won't you know stick the boot in there and the rest of them turn up every week. Well, what, yeah. what are you supposed to say? Well, I don't know if there's anything more to say. It's the second week in a row that Melbourne have made about 220 tackles, which is about a hundred below average mm. for the NRL. It's a second week in a row, so. They're still fresh for whoever they play this week. The only tiredness they'd have is sick of putting the ball over the line. They've scored 120 points in two games. Like, so, you know, they're not really having to spend that much juice. We know that attacking and when you're winning, it's you're only expending half the energy that you're doing defending, but they're not having to defend. The teams against them the last two weeks have been... Legless, not in the fight. Virtually the first half last week, the Warriors were okay. But since then, they've had just teams that they might as well have been playing in New Plains A grade. 
yeah. for, for what's been dished up against them. Like it's been Melbourne have been good, but it, look, it's been pretty average. You know, you know what they yeah, do. The, what's been served up. I don't know that it's overly helping Melbourne move forward no. to play better teams. Like, you know, it's all right to smash up teams. And, look, Melbourne, we know them and Penrith are pretty close together in ability. But the way that Melbourne are playing, they're not even getting a go. They're not getting a decent game. I reckon that their their opposed sessions are tougher than what they're getting. Like, yeah. but, but then, but, but that being said, who takes more out of this week, Melbourne or Penrith, who limped past the Titans? Well, I don't know that either of them do. Yeah, to, to be to be honest, yeah, it, I don't know that either of them. The worst is Penrith might get half a rocket or something. Do so, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, are Melbourne playing that? The question that it, it, I guess it, it asks me, and it'll get answered. In Magic Round, Wayne, when Melbourne play Penrith, is how well are they really both going? Like we sit here and say they're in first gear, they're in second gear. The other teams don't try. What whatever it is, <laughs> it'll. But it'll be interesting to see in round uh-huh. ten where they uh-huh. are when they play each other to see. Okay, you know, are we? Is it what we think? Hey, but that, that game could legit be. Is? That game could legit be golden point, or it could legit be a thirty-point game as well. Thirty nil either way. Yeah. Well, that's right. So it, it's you know, I don't know how much stock you can place in a lot of these games where Melbourne and Penrith are playing teams. Yeah, yeah, and and um, especially when they're Newcastle and Warriors. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, and, and like we're only going to repeat what we said for last week, last month about you know O'Brien and about Ponga. So you know, is there anything else to really dwell on here? And Brian might be the first coach sacked. I think he'd be, be surprised if he's not. Surely he'd be sure. He might walk out. Him. Like, honestly, <laughs> every, week he, every week he turns up the press conference wants to... Yeah, anyway. You see him at halftime throw his oh. clipboard up. Just, he won't throw his clipboard up. He's throwing himself out the window. Well, even the first thing in the second half, they made a mistake, and I don't know exactly what the... He he let, there was a kickoff, I think. I think. That's right, and he had his head in his hand. He wasn't even watching. Yeah. Like, but how could you? I don't blame him. No. I'd have gone home. Yeah, like go home, and, F- figure it out for yourselves. You're getting paid enough, and go home. And what's he going to say? He's going to go in after him, and what's he going to shout oh, at him? Like, what, what's what it all matter? Yeah, what's it? Matter? You know that they were shit. Yeah. You should just take a six pack and whack it up on the bench and just start well, knocking them back <laughs> and just go, oh, fuck, don't ask me, man. <laughs> you know, I know that he's the coach and it's his job to, you know, and I'm sure he's trying to fix it and trying to to do things, but again. They pro- they don't have the cattle either. Like they don't, yeah. like because really, and the only priority for two and a half years has been signing Ponga. Like, uh, not worry about else. But if if Saifini plays Origin this year, they're kidding themselves. No, there's no way he does. He, he, I don't think he's that. run for hundred meters in four weeks. No, Clamber no. get a start before him at the moment. Well, yeah, and he, but there's the two Parramatta guys we know were poor on the weekend and Payne Hass and, Bla- and Jake Turbo and blokes like that. Saifidi can't get a run at the moment. The, like, I know the team's going bad, but, like, even no, we said Bulldogs are going bad, but at least Adokar's playing good. Like, you can't even say Saifidi is playing good. And Frizzell's had a couple of games, a fringe player, but you couldn't look at him. Hmm. 
one out of eight games, I think, this year where I've noticed Saifidi. On the other hand, Frizzell, probably half the games, he's he's been pretty good, but at best he'd get a bench spot. But yeah, he's probably he's too much talent in that back line, in that back row. Yeah, we listed, we listed, we've listed him before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Martins and Currens and, um, and whoever else. Angus Crichton's, you know, back, he's starting to look sharp again, so he'd be in front of these guys. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Harry Grant three. I agree. Two points, Munster, and then I sort of had Olam in there. For just I had the... Olam for two actually, and then I had Munster for yeah. one, just because I thought that Olam did a lot of stuff on his own back, um, just and, you know, well, yeah, pushing both, past both, people. And... Both tries were pretty much individual efforts, weren't they? So yeah, he was strong, real strong. All right, and then we finish the game with this baffling matchup: twelve six. The Dragons beat West. The stats, man. Yes, yeah, so we had two tries to one, two out of two conversions, played zero out of one for the Tigers, one out of one penalty goals. 73% com- uh, 73% completion played 77, 28 out of 38 sets played 34 out of 44. 450-plus running metres for the Tigers and 130-plus post-contact metres for the Tigers. Four line breaks to five, 21 tackle busts to 56 tackle busts for the Tigers. Two offloads to 15, one force dropout to four, 372 tackles played 337. Two ruck infringements against the Dragons, zero against the Tigers. Two inside the tens against the Tigers. Eight penalties conceded by the Dragons, one by the Tigers. 12 errors to 11. Jack DeBellin with 41 tackles, Little with 45, Suli with 188 metres, Twal with 186. Amon missed five tackles, made 10. Hunt missed nine and made 11. Brooks missed three and made 22, and Tuolagi missed four and made 26. Brooks with 101 supercoach points, Twile with 83, plus five other Tigers before you get down to Tarek Sims on 58 points for the Dragons. Those stats say you win by 30. Well, watching the game, I thought it would win by 30, but then (laughs) as we got close to halftime, it was pretty apparent that wasn't going to happen, and then as we got 10 minutes into the second half, you sort of could feel it was going to happen. Um... I can't kind of like Ford marched upfield every time Ford's they got the ball. They dominate them. They we had all the possession. Uh, Dragons never left their half bar. I think three times and scored twice. So that's there's two soft defensive decisions, uh, and Ben Hunt was decisive in I guess both of them. Both of them, yeah. So and yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, what does it mean? I don't know. We didn't win. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when you did win, but I said you probably should have won by 13. You just scraped home against somebody. I think it might have been, was it South? But Yeah. Look, I think um, the, I think, I think if you're picking apart the Tigers, they, they desperately need strike out wide. I mean, they're missing Laurie, but mm. there's no, like apart from Hastings, and Brooks been fine. Um, their back line pretty much offer nothing. Brooks and Hastings were good in yeah. this game, and so was so, uh, like it, it, the so, more. The more it, it seems to be pretty clear that at some point Adam Dewey's going to come be put back in the centres because they need him there. Yeah, um, I think it's going to happen. And I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Twile was fantastic again. Jimmy Tamo's having the best month he's had since he was at Penrith. He was mm-hmm. uh, great. And how many chances did the Tigers bomb? Oh, what four? You reckon? Four oh, or five, probably four and five. Yeah, there was eight errors from the back five. That's you know five yeah. players that made eight errors each. I think one of them only made. I think one of them didn't make an error. So, um, yeah, 
Just dominant in the first half and just couldn't land a blow. It, I thought that they would have been winning by 18, 20, 24 points at half time, but they just yeah. didn't seem to yeah. be able to get it done. Um, they played to the bomb that I suggested. Um, Mamalo there may have grabbed one or two of those chances, but yeah. I thought they'd kick iron to the corners and they did, and it just didn't seem to work. Um, they, they just need to start converting more opportunities to Tigers. Um, they, they created quite a few in this one and they just didn't, didn't convert them. Um, their forwards were well and truly better. Um, another another tip out the window for me with tipping the Tigers. And they really should have won this game. Um, Dragons didn't look like being in the game at all until, what was it, about 15 minutes after uh, into the second half and the Tigers made a couple of uh, mistakes and invited the Dragons down the Tigers' end and Ben Hunt ran on his own and then the hooker decided, the, the hooker took a nice pass and just slid over close to the line. Um, there was nobody in that Dragons team that really impressed me too much, to be honest. I thought Sully looked dang, like Sully was making some metres and that's only not even mentioned, to be honest. Yeah, Hunt was good. Jack DeBellin is done. He seems to have increased his work rate a little bit in the last few weeks. Sims is okay, but Twile was fantastic again. Like the, the starting pack was really good, but Twile was the standout again, and I think he has been for the last three weeks. The halves were good, Nofaluma was okay, but. The rest of the outside backs were horrendous. Um, yeah. I've said it before, but they did say got hands for feet, four of those blokes. Like, um, tell, like, how Kapoa gets a start in first grade, I've got yeah, no idea. Tower probably could, could have scored three tries himself if he could catch mm-hmm. or be in the right position. But anyway. Absolutely. Um, well, four of those outside backs, mate, they'd be looking for another job if they're working on the job site. Yeah, and I'm, done, and I'm done with Gildhart as well. Right. Yeah, he's included in this four. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like, <laughs> just mentioning, we, you know, he came here all, uh, all he gave him the big spruik, and yeah, yeah they, they desperately need outside backs, and um, I guess that's where Adam Dewey's going to be playing. Come, anything to add? We're just going to move look, on. From we, look, the better side didn't win mm-hmm. <laughs> in the game. That that was obvious. The Tigers, I thought, dominated all the aspects of the game other than those games, the game where you didn't really know who was going to score. Like if the Tigers yeah. were going to score, you didn't, I didn't know where the try was going to come from other than the only one in the back four or the back five was no foe that you thought could, you know, get over the line because he is a try scorer. But the others like, Luke Garner's not a bad player, but he's not a centre. And as an attacker, he's not an attacking centre. Gildart, you you can forget Gildart. He's a a dud. Another Tompkins that's come over here and and won't make the grade. Then Kapoa, you know, and and the fullback's not a fullback. They're they're making do with, with somebody. And you know what? I will say that the fullback's gone okay. Like, mm. is considering he's somebody that's not a fullback, I know he's made some errors, but generally with the high ball, mm. that he's done well. He's been in position defensively, you know, the defensive Beats a lot line. of first first chases. He does, you know. Yeah, so, look, he, I think he's done a decent job, but he's not an attacking threat either from fullback or is able to create anything really much for anybody else. He's a solid player and he's a winger. Yeah. Like he's a winger that's playing out of position and wingers are wingers. We know that. 
in terms of uh, of rugby league. Again, yep. St. George. What would you think of Dewey at fullback, Daggy? Well, that's where I play. I'd be okay with well, it. Well, Dane Laurie, but, you don't need to. If Dane know. Laurie's in the team, you play Dewey if, at centre. If he's back. Yeah. If he's fit, if if he's fit I'd pick Dewey at fullback 100%. next week. If if Dewey's playing Saturday, I'd pick him at fullback. If he's fit. Yeah. Sorry, I'll be cut you off. You're moving on to the Dragons. No, they, oh, they're just, as we said, they're small and and they get dominated and, you know, they're, <laughs> it's just clunky. If, if, if Ben Hunt didn't play for them, they come last. I, I will say the last two weeks, though, they, they've won both games they shouldn't have won. They shouldn't have beat the Roosters on Anzac Day, really. Yep. And they shouldn't have no. beaten the Tigers. No. So they're obviously, they're fighting hard to stay in games and, no. and, and doing enough to win. So I guess you've got to tip your hat to them in terms of, of that and, and the effort and the will to win and and all that. They're, you know, there's two the last two weeks, really, they should have lost games and they've won them with not many points being scored. So they've defended and scrambled. Yeah, they haven't given up a lot of points. They've been, um, yeah, you know, been tough. I mean. so. If they're only yeah. giving away one or two tries, then attack doesn't have to be great. Most teams can <laughs> most teams can get somewhere within one or two tries. Yeah, yeah. So your attack doesn't have to be great. You you get inside the ten meter line a couple of times and you jag a try like they did, like both tries. Barge over. Yeah. George were within the ten barge over. Yeah. Or one missed tackle on Ben Hunt. Step and, on someone. Yeah. yeah it was a bad on. read and the game's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. What else can we say? You're unlucky there, Dag. So <laughs> no, that makes me feel he's better. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I can say that this week my team won. So yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. You're the only one here that did. You can yeah. fly uh, what do you? How do you even justify? Like, I'll give three points to Twile because he's Alex Twile. I suppose you could give some points to Ben Hunt because they won. And... I gave three points to Brooks actually because I thought yeah, he fair. tried his ass off and actually Brooks created was the best quite player on the field. Yeah, give him three. A yeah, that's fine. Opportunities yeah, for give the him Tigers. Three. I had Hunt with two, and then I gave twelve or um, um, okay, Tama the one. Uh, yeah, well, the other one I was going to mention was Tama because I, for a bloke, um, we're calling for the scrap heap. He's been had a new lease on life for the last, like it's I said, strong, last hasn't he? Uh, yeah. And they got Stefano back this week, so the, you know whatever that means as well. Uh, what do we have to do now? Absolute Pot plants. What is brace. it? No, a brace. That's what you call them. Yes. You got a brace for a, a gump. You can go first. Oh, and I did that. go down. to somebody else because I did have it written down. Uh, I got a couple. Why not? But um, <laughs> Kevin Proctor, one run for four meters. He can have a brace. I think he was, he, he pot planted a few times last year. And uh, just for now, um, I'm just going to throw one to Kalen Ponga just because I can as well. Double up. Yeah, no. Well, I'm up here at the moment, and I might have him coming out of fucking all sorts, swinging out of the trees at me shortly, but. Minus Clemmer and Randall, just the whole Newcastle fucking organisation at the moment. They are disgraceful. Yeah, I'd, I'd written down um, poor old Phoenix Crossland. I don't think he's he's up to the up to the grade, and they, they've tried him in numerous positions. But you know, he he had a couple of passes that actually dribbled out of his hands. Fell out of his hands and rolled along the ground, and I, you'd probably hook an under sixes, but. And he can't you know, tackle that well. No, so I, I'd give it to him, and yeah, I shouldn't probably pick on him, but I, <laughs> the, I got to. The good news is with the um, the proliferation of um, 
borderline first graders is another team to to fill full, full of them next year just to oh wow spark good, Can't good. Wait. you got to salute then I'm I'm going to salute and Scotty Drinkwater I I've put enough crap on him over the time so I'm actually going to salute him for even after the game, the way he spoke and he spoke about his game and sort of where he was and where he'd been and and whatnot. So look, you know, he's consistently he's got the consistency in attack now that is going to help the Cowboys score points. That was their problem for a lot of the year this year, and they they sort of defended well but found it difficult to score points. And since he's been in, they've they've had no trouble scoring points. Fine. Oh, I wanted to, I've already spoken wax lyrical about Harry Grant. I thought that was one of the better performances I've seen out of a dummy half for quite a while on the weekend. He gets my salute. Uh, we'll keep the Cowboys team going. We, we've been up and down him as, as the media, but Todd Payton's doing a good job. So Absolutely. we'll give him a salute as well, um, getting the best out of his squad. Um, Not wrong. There's obviously something, you know, well, we mentioned it at the back end of last year. What's he doing fiddling around with the team, not giving Tamalolo minutes and stuff, but it's it's poured through. Yeah. And, and look at what he did at the Warriors before. He obviously knows how to coach. Oh, yeah. He was absolutely. unbeaten at the Warriors, wasn't he? he, he seems was to get to the, yeah, he seems to get his, um, his players around him. Um, there was a bit of a, obviously, adjustment period when he first came into the Cowboys. He had to bust a few heads and get them to fall in line, but they seem to have done so. Mm. Usually we do this the other way around, but uh, you got a slap, Barn? Do I'm going to slap Ricky Stewart? <laughs> um, the, his press press conference after that game was horrible, and the last three or four weeks he's been doing it time and time again. He's dis- like he talks about them and the players and distances himself from having any responsibility of what's going on at the Canberra Raiders, and um, you know, for someone who. Ten years ago, when he started coaching, was all about sticking up for his players and you know getting in behind and being part of the team. And is now, it's been I think the last three weeks he has gone out of his way to basically say I've got nothing to do with this. It's the players. It's this and it's that. Compared to someone like um, what Trent Robinson did with, with the Roosters owning up and saying you know I've got a big part to play of this, but. Right. And then he only plays three reserves and his team gets run over in the last five minutes of the game because they've run out of gas and they've only played three fucking reserves when you've got a fresh player sitting on the bench. Seriously, what's yeah, he trying? Yeah. He's trying to, I don't know if he's trying to get sacked or he's trying to get half the team written off. But it it's very interesting. It's very interesting seeing who's friends with who in the media because I watched a certain uh, panel <laughs> show before this show started. Cole Pent. Um, yes. And apparently he's in no danger of losing a job ever and should never be sacked because he's Canberra. So <laughs> it's amazing the swings and roundabouts that happen on that show. Um, do I have a slap? I don't even know. I do. Go on, you go. Jake Clifford. Yeah, well, it, 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 it did it, flash through my mind, but yeah. It was, oh, I don't know that I've seen a worse performance from a first grader. Like kicking out on the full, the part, like the... The passes were horrendous. He just... If you run about three metres in front of someone, he'd yeah. be over the side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's tapped out or he's not taking his meds or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like he's no not that good. Or, or whatever. Like, it's because he's played some good games in the past. He's, he's not a consistent... Hey, how's the team he left going? Before? 
Well, right, <laughs> right, yeah. It's... So, yeah, yeah. So, what's that saying? But look, it's it's easy to kick a team while they're down, and you know, for all you Knights fans out there, I hope you can turn it around and you know get that winning feeling a week. So. Yeah, you've stolen all the obvious ones. I might just slap Luke Keery. Just run the ball and straighten up and get your shit sorted out. That's all. But it's a it's a half slap. It's a gentle slap this week. But I, I can't think of much else. But anyway, on that note, story of my life, I, we've finished the review show. Anything else you want to add, lads? Check out Footy and Frothies uh, on socials and check out rugbyleaguemerch.com and uh, for some of our excellent gear. And uh, we'll... Be back very soon to have a look at round nine. Chat soon.